Welcome back to the Fit Minute Podcast, fitness for real people, with your host, Gabrielle Mazar. Gabrielle Mazar. On this week's show, Gabrielle interviews Misha Tuesday, the mystic hypnotist. An award-winning performer, speaker, and active tarot card reader, Misha looks deeper into exploring the mysteries of life and how he can help people through hypnosis. We discuss how hypnosis and mindfulness can help with your diet, exercise, and stress and anxiety. And now here's your host, personal trainer and stretch therapist, Gabrielle Mazar. Gabrielle Mazar. Welcome back to the Fit Minute Podcast, Fitness for Real People. I'm your host, Gabby Mazar. And on today's episode, I have Misha Tuesday, the mystic hypnotist. Welcome to the show. Hello, hello. Thanks so much for having me, Gabby. You are welcome. Thanks for coming on the show. Um, So you are a mystic hypnotist. And why don't you explain a little bit about what that means and what that is? Well, I have been a mystic my whole life, by which I mean very curious about consciousness and what it means and what we can do with it. It doesn't mean I believe anything in particular about the supernatural, but I'm always very interested in exploring um, all the mysteries of life. Um, When I trained in hypnosis, the trend at the time was everybody wanted to use all the buzzwords from neuroscience and people wanted to talk about areas of the brain and neurotransmitters to make it sound real sciencey. And there is a lot of science to hypnosis, of course. Um, And I I do understand a lot of the science, but I just saw it as a real uh, kind of trend that all the hypnotists, even if they didn't know anything about the brain, wanted to try to use all these buzzwords. So I kind of went in the other direction. And because I had been, for instance, reading tarot all my life and, you know, done a lot of the more uh, esoteric kind of explorations, I decided to simply let that part of myself um, feed into it. And there are a lot of hypnotists who talk about energy work and the importance of kind of intangible things in hypnosis work. It's just not usually uh, explicit to everyone else that they're doing it with. So I embrace both sides, the left brain and the right brain, because at the end of the day, whatever works for you um, is good. So can you explain what it what it means to be a mystic for those for people that don't really know what that term is. Sure. A lot of people um, wonder about the unknown. Why are we here? What happens after we die? Where, where did the universe come from? What's it all about? And there are a lot of kind of traditional answers that people, uh, I would say, settle for. Organized religion has a certain set of answers. Even the scientific mindset or worldview has you know, certain, uh, I would say, acceptable ways to think about these things. A mystic is someone that wants to do it for themselves. They don't want to just accept um, the meanings that are given to them by culture and society they want to really explore on their own so my nutshell definition of a mystic is someone who asks really big questions without settling for easy answers okay so (laughs) so bringing that to hypnosis um traditionally when we think i think when we think about hypnosis we think about um someone on stage um, that makes you bark like a dog or flap your arms like chicken and um, putting on a show. But um, that's not necessarily exactly what you do, right? 
Well, that is uh, that is one set, and I think the the clucking like a chicken thing probably came from a Warner Brothers cartoon at some point because <laughs> everybody says that you're not going to make me cluck like a chicken, are you? Yep. Mm-hmm. Um, and on on stage, it's it's very different. There is some hypnosis skills that goes into a stage show. I do stage shows as well, and in those contexts, people are volunteering to come up because they want to have a fun time. They want to make the audience laugh, and they want to do a lot of silly things. So you can get away with a lot more on stage than you could if we were going to sit down one-to-one, for instance, to work on, you know, quitting smoking or dealing with anxiety, whatever you got going on, it wouldn't be appropriate in that context to do the, the silly sorts of stuff. Right. When we're talking about hypnosis in a therapeutic or a change, like behavioral change context, it's about talking to all the parts of the mind, the conscious, the subconscious, um, and getting a lot of those programs uh, shifted to be more of what we want to do rather than what we've just been habitually doing. Mm-hmm. A lot of what we do in life, m- the majority of what we do in life is habits. It's almost automatic because, uh, and I know I said I wasn't going to go real into the science, but evolutionarily speaking, the brain is an energy hog, especially rational thought and self um regulation is an energy hog it uses so much uh glucose out of your blood and it just it really uses a lot of energy so as an evolutionary being you know we want to conserve energy as much as possible so the way the mind works is that you have these programs for things anything that's a habitual behavior anything that you do a couple of times becomes a little program autopilot so that autopilot exactly so now when i drive to the store i've done it I've done it six times. I know the way there now. Now I can be thinking of something else. Or every time I've had dinner, uh, I've, I have a dessert afterwards. And that's just kind of automatic. I don't think, will I have dessert? I think, what will I have for dessert? Right. So that becomes automatic as well. If we're a person who smokes, you know, if it's just the time to smoke, you find yourself with a cigarette in your hand lighting it before you've even really thought about what do I want to do next? So a lot of the things that we do in hypnosis is reorient your unconscious programs to make what you want to happen happen instead of the habits that you've been um, that have maybe getting in your maybe been getting in your way. Yeah, it's kind of if you've ever gotten in your car and you were supposed to go somewhere else, but you automatically drive to work or you automatically drive to the grocery store or something, your brain is just autopilot you're mm-hmm. you know you're programmed to go to a certain place even though you want to go somewhere else and you're like crap you know, yeah and that's, that's, a feature. <laughs> that's a feature not a bug your brain is designed to work that way if you do something multiple times it's going to become habitual it's going to become automatic yeah. but the good thing is that that works the opposite way as well if you um for instance you're starting a workout routine if you do your workout routine six days in a row it's going to get easier and easier to do it every time because you don't have to push yourself and there's also little tricks to make it easier for you to do it those six times that we can talk about later if you want to yeah so getting into that actually so there that's exactly what we kind of want to talk about is all of the things that hypnosis can actually be used for. So there's a number of things from stress and anxiety hacks to motivation and self-improvement, quitting smoking. Um, what are some things that you kind of work with the most uh, that you would say that you you do to help people the most with hypnosis? 
Well, there are two um, very broad categories in hypnotic change work. And one is what we call remedial change. That's fixing things. Um, and the, the, the big ones are quit smoking, losing weight, stress and anxiety of phobias. Those are kind of like probably 80% of um, hypnosis clients want those things. Um, so remedial change is we're fixing something that has become a problem. Then there's generative change, which is improving skills or unlocking abilities that we haven't developed. That's stuff like public speaking, leadership, uh, you know, a lot of entrepreneurial stuff, self-confidence, sports uh, hypnosis. Sports hypnosis is huge where you like, you know, I've gotten to, you know, 95% of my skill level, but there's just that, you know, that inner game, that mental game that I need to click into place to be, you know, as excellent as I can be. Um, so that would be an example of generative change, making things that we want to get better at. Um, and so really, uh, the generative change clients often come out of remedial change. The first time they contact me, they have, they have something going on. They have insomnia. They, um, you know, want to lose weight or quit smoking, something like that. And then I work with them for a few sessions. And I, I, when I work with people, I, tr I teach them all about how hypnosis works and what you can do with it. And once they learn that, oh, I can use this also to get better at golf or, um, you know, be a better public speaker, be a better leader, then they want to, um, you know, once you've gotten rid of the habits that are holding you back, you want to develop new habits that are going to launch you even further into your success. Hmm. Interesting. I never, I guess I never really thought of it from that aspect. You don't, you don't think about it, using it to improve. You use, you think about it more of using it as a tool to stop doing something, not to start doing something. So yeah, that's it, worked, kind of it really a, works in both directions. Yeah. That's kind of a different take on it. So that's, that's a pretty cool thing to think about, like improving your golf game or improving your exercise or, or maybe trying to reach a certain goal, you know, that you've been trying to reach, whether it's maybe financially or, or as an entrepreneur, or maybe you want to be on stage or, or whatever it is. Um, yeah, really anything that you want to do, getting your subconscious mind on board is going to make it faster, easier, better. Yeah. So what would you say, uh, there are, sorry, <laughs> some stress and anxiety hacks are that uh, you could recommend? got a lot of them and many of them boil down to get out of your head and into your body but it's real easy to say get out of your head and get into your body and how do you actually do that so one of the first things that i tell people if people come to work with me one-on-one -on -one for stress or anxiety which are very related stress and anxiety are very related um one of the first things i do and i should start by disclaiming that i'm not a doctor and none of what I say constitutes medical advice. It's, you know, my general opinion. It doesn't relate to your specific uh, position and is not intended to treat any specific condition. That said, when people come to me to work on stress and anxiety, the first thing I ask them about is their alcohol and caffeine habits. Um, because alcohol and caffeine, many people I find do both, uh, not so much one or the other. There are definitely people who do one or the other, but most people will do both of them and they kind of are a self-perpetuating cycle 
because you drink, you maybe have a, a drink or two more than you intend to in the evening. Then when you get up in the morning, you're a little groggier than you want to be. You drink more caffeine than you would usually drink. And they kind of, you know, then you need to relax at the end of the day. And that's why you need a drink at five o'clock. So that's kind of a self-perpetuating cycle. And I'm not here to, to preach or pontificate what's right. You know, you know what's right for you, but it's something to examine. Um, and it's something that modifying that will go a long way. If you are a person who suffers from anxiety and stress a lot, um, looking into that kind of behavior and getting it to the, to the balance point um, is really important. Another one that goes along with those is drinking water. Um, because a lot of people are, spend a lot of their day dehydrated. And when you're dehydrated, your body knows something is wrong and it will elevate cortisol, which is a stress hormone. Um, so a lot of times when we have a low level underlying stress or anxiety level, um, getting yourself hydrated can often uh, get rid of that. Um, and when we're drinking, you know, when it's our habit to drink, you know, caffeine up until a certain point of the day and then alcohol after that, you're drinking something that's a drug every time you're thirsty. So adding water to your routine um, is gonna help that a lot. W one thing that I often recommend um, in my personal power program is drinking a glass of water as your morning routine. Um, the very first thing I do every day when I get up is I just drink a full glass of water. I have a little ritual that I do with it where I say the water is going to refresh my body, my mind and my spirit. I drink the water. And then I say, thanks, I needed that, which also adds in a little bit of gratitude into it. Everybody's heard that how important it is to have experiences of gratitude. And they think, oh, I need to make a list of all the things I'm thankful for. And hmm, who do I thank for this? And who do I thank for that? It's really simple. It's the feeling of gratitude that helps us more so than what than it's what about. you're being thankful for. Right. Right. So just anytime, even like if you have a really good sandwich you could just say in general oh thanks i needed that it doesn't matter if you're thanking god or the waitress or yourself for buying it what it doesn't really matter it's just that feeling of gratitude um, and doing a glass of water in the morning is a really easy way to do that another really easy way to um, beat an anxiety attack or to reduce stress is a simple deep breath and a lot of people dismiss it because it sounds so simple um, but you just take in a nice deep breath in hold it for just a moment and then let it out slowly. And if you do that once, you'll feel an enormous calm wash over you. If you do it three times in a row, um, it will give the effects will be even compounded. And neurologically speaking, what that does is it resets the vagus nerve, which is the nerve, the cranial nerve that stimulates the amygdala, which is what puffs up. It gives us an anxiety attack. It releases cortisol, stress hormone. Um, so taking a nice deep breath, when you have the exhale longer, about twice as long as the inhale, it resets that nerve and begins to calm down that fight or flight response, which is what's happening when you have an anxiety attack. Yeah. And we the talk about breath work a lot um, in Pilates, which is what I teach mostly. Mm -hmm. Um, yeah, a lot of a lot of people get really hung up on the counts. Like some people get really specific about count to this number for the breath and count to this number on the hold. And, and if you want, if you if you're into that, if you're like a like a number person, you really get into the numbers. That's fine. But what's neurologically important is that the breath, the out breath, is about twice as long as the in breath because that's what resets the vagus nerve. Right. And doing you know doing these uh, in conjunction 
Um, what I, I, I give people a whole list when I work with anxiety and stress clients, I give them a whole list of techniques that they can do. People usually gravitate to the one or two that work best for them. Um, but drinking water is one D taking a nice deep breath, cleansing breath, um, is super uh, effective and doesn't take a lot of time. Another one that's really important is, uh, some people say taking a walk, which is great and very effective, especially if it, you can take a walk outside. Um, but some people, if you're on your way to a meeting or a presentation or something, you say, I don't have time to take a walk. Just changing your location can be huge. Moving from one room to another room or taking a moment to change your body posture. Um, it, it can have a really great effect. So one of the things that I got from uh, Amy Cuddy, who's a body language expert. She's the person who did the research on superhero poses. I don't know if you've heard that one. Mm -mm. Doing a superhero pose, like if you, you know, you stand up with your hands on your hips, you know, with good posture, like you're proud and powerful, stand like that for two minutes and it measurably reduces the cortisol in your blood. Hmm. That's Anything that you can do that's, um, that's taking up more space um, and expansive is going to uh, give you a baseline of calm and reduce stress hormones. Um, but yes, any kind of uh, movement is huge. If, and if these are all, you know, I like to give people really short things. If you have time to go outside and take a walk, that's going to be the best. But, you know, in our busy days, a lot of times we don't have time for that. So simply, you know, moving from one room to another room um, will, will work. Taking yeah. a walk to, you know, the sink to get a glass of water and back will work. Um, and then another one that I really like to teach people is bilateral stimulation, which is a fancy word, um, but for stimulating both hemispheres of the brain. And if people are familiar with EMDR, eye movement desensitization, I never remember what the R stands for. There's this whole um, school of thought about eye movements being important, but really any uh, sensory stimulus that makes you alternate uh, your awareness and your attention from uh, side to side across your midline works. And the technique that I always teach people is to pick up a small object like a coffee cup or keys or your phone and you pick it up and just pass it from hand to hand. And I always couple this with a nice deep breath as well. And when you do that, a lot of times anxiety is associated with uh, over, you know, overstimulation of one hemisphere of the brain. And when you're moving an object side to side, many of us know that the hemispheres of the brain control the opposite side of the body. So the left brain control, the motor centers in the left brain control the right side of the body and vice versa. When you're passing an object from hand to hand, you're activating both hemispheres equally. And it evens out the blood flow between the hemispheres and then your anxiety circuit just can't, can't, can't keep its stuff together. Getting um, wires and crossed. <laughs> and that, right. That's it's so hard, hard to even talk while I'm doing it because it's just so calming, you know? <laughs> Um, and these are all things that you can do in a minute or less that will have a, a really big influence. And it doesn't matter if you do them exactly right, because one of the biggest factors is intentionality as well. So if you do one of these things with the intention, I'm going to do this thing that's going to make me feel better. That's half the battle. Um, because once again, anxiety is a habit. It's a thing that happens unconsciously. You don't think, oh, what am I going to worry about next? You don't really decide. 
it just creeps up on you. The feeling creeps up on you. So if you take a moment to decide, oh, I'm feeling that anxious feeling or that stressed feeling, whatever you call it, I'm going to do this little thing that I heard about on a podcast and it's going to make me feel better. You're going to have good results. Yeah. Well, we know that, and you said stress and anxiety are related, but we also know that we need stress. Uh, there's a certain level of stress that you actually need. Uh, I mean, it's part of your fight or flight response, which we also need as well. Um, but why, you know, as far as you're concerned, why do we need that stress to survive? Yeah, um, we probably have plenty of it. We're not gonna. You're not gonna. You're not gonna overcome yourself. <laughs> uh, I heard Are you Chase, sure? <laughs> I, you're not gonna overcome yourself. I heard Chase Hughes say in a talk. Chase Hughes, author of the Ellipsis Manual. Um, he's a uh, a behavior change expert. He was trained in Navy intelligence. He was his job was to interrogate um, suspected ter terrorists, and he knows a lot about how the nervous system works. Um, that based on our taxpayer dollars funded his research. So one of the things that I heard him say in a talk that I love is, you're not going to meditate away six million years of evolution. <laughs> So the fight or flight response is hardwired into your system. You know, you're not the, 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 the scene from Office Space. That's another one I get a lot with hypnosis. There's a movie Office Space where this guy goes to a hypnotist and the hypnotist has a heart attack in the middle of it. Yeah. And this guy is just like totally calm and hypnotized <laughs> forever now. Yeah. He just can't worry at all about anything. Unfortunately, that's not true. It would be wonderful to just be that, have that great hypnotized feeling all the time. Um, but you're not going to meditate away six million years of evolution. Your amygdala is still going to puff up. You're going to get cortisol. You're going to get anxious because what what's happening is your his body is giving you adrenaline to run away or to fight the attacker. Problem is, I have to give a presentation isn't something you can fight. Right. Or, I mean, you could run away from it. If you really wanted to, you could run away from a presentation. But what we want is to calmly and confidently meet the obligations that we have to meet. But to answer your question, Gabby, uh, the reason we have stress, it's our motivator. Stress is a motivator. I heard a, neuro, uh, a neuroscientist say, if we didn't have any stress or anxiety at all, we wouldn't do anything. We wouldn't get out of bed. We wouldn't feel like lift up food to our mouths so stress is a motivator it's what makes us do things so you don't want to get rid of it completely you can't get rid of it completely but where it becomes a problem is when you have an elevated uh fight or flight response and it is interfering with your normal functioning yeah and those are the times that we want to do some of these techniques to get that baseline back to where it should be not 100% calm, no stress whatsoever, but just to the normal level of I am a functioning being in society. Yeah. <laughs> so that we're, um, no. <laughs> yeah. We want to be yeah. able to get and up and get, get motivated and be able to eat and, and function and every day. And unfortunately, there are a million stressors, you know, when six million years ago, stress was running away from animals and trying to yeah, find when food. Your, your biggest concern was when your biggest concern was if I cross this river I might get eaten by an alligator yeah now it's so if you're having everything if you're, I, I if you're my stressed alarm. you can right you can tell yourself I am not going to get eaten by an alligator over this that is true it does happen though but not not every day <laughs> most of the people I looked this up because I was in Florida uh last fall a year ago I was in Florida on vacation and 
I did this little bike path. We rented bikes and went down. Um, there's an overlook in the Everglades. There's like a, I forget exactly what the name of the park is, but there's like a, a two mile bike trail down to like an overlook point that you can try to see the crocs swimming in the swamp. We saw a couple, and uh, sorry, alligators. They're crocs on the coast, they're alligators inland. And we saw a couple swimming and then we're riding our bikes back. And now this, and this trail was only like four feet wide. The, the land mass it was on was only maybe eight feet wide and swamp on either side. So there's this giant alligator completely across the trail, just sitting there sunning itself. And we didn't know what to do for a while. And I was thinking, this is probably one of the few times in my life I've honestly been, you know, okay with being stressed and anxious because <laughs> there was literally an alligator that could have eaten me if it, if it wanted to. But yeah. <laughs> what, I, what I researched was that there are, I think, on average, about four or fewer alligator attacks on humans uh, in the United States. And most of them are people walking dogs. Yeah. Yeah. They, they, especially if it's a little dog, they think those things are popcorn. So yeah. if you're walking your dog in Florida, stay away from the, the wetlands, you know. Yeah. My aunt and uncle lived on a farm in Florida for many, many years on a lake. Mm -hmm. And we have been on the fan boat on the lake and there was a restaurant there where you could get gator tail. And I'd been mm -hmm. uh, also tubing down a river. I was in a little boat because I was scared to death, but I fell into the water. I've never been so scared in my life. And then I got and right back in so. that boat I and I was like, never again. <laughs> See, in that situation, you needed that adrenaline to get back in the boat as fast as possible. Get back in that boat. But not not today, time, alligator. <laughs> most of the time, you're not going to get eaten by an alligator. So yeah. if it's like, you know, I'm worried about giving this presentation. What if I say the wrong thing? The reason public speaking is so terrifying to a lot of people is that, you know, I don't know, 12 million years ago, if you said something that offended the elders of the village, they could banish you and send you away and then you would be left to die on your own in the elements because there would be no uh, tribe around you to support you. Nowadays, if you get, you know, ostracized from your work, I mean, if everybody laughs at you at work, you know, you're not going to lose your job. You're going to probably get some joke memes on your email for a yeah. while. They're going to rib you over it. You're not going to get eaten by an alligator. No, definitely not. So don't not. worry about it. Everybody yeah, has yeah. foibles. It's not going to kill you. Definitely. So <laughs> speaking of motivation, um, what are some motivation or self-improvement tips that you can give as well or exercises that you have for people? Yeah, if you're working on um, motivation for like an ex exercise regimen or like you're, you know, you're going to do running, these are things that you're starting a program. The more you can make it easy for yourself to slip right into it. The example I usually give is if you've decided I'm going to, I'm going to go, I'm going to get up early and go running tomorrow you don't just set your alarm, you set your alarm and you put your running clothes and your running shoes on a chair right by your bed where they'll be right by your head. So when the alarm goes off, you hit the alarm and then all you have to do is put on your shoes. So when you wake up, you don't have to think, oh man, do I really wanna go running? I know I said I was gonna. You can just short circuit that by saying, all I'm gonna do is put on my shoes and I'll decide later. Just put off that the bigger decision and do step one. I'm going to put on my shoes. You know, if it's if it's a a workout program that you want to do, say I'm going to do 30 seconds or I'm going to do one push up. Whatever is the smallest possible step that you could do. Say, well, I'll just do this little teeny piece and then decide. 
So you do this little tiny, I do one push up, and then I say, okay, well, now that I'm down here, I might as well do 10. And I'll do 10. And then I can decide, do I want to do if my intended reps was more than 10, but don't decide, am I going to do this workout or not? Do I feel like doing this whole workout or not? Just decide on the smallest next step. And that's a very easy way um, to trick your brain into doing the things that you're having trouble with motivation. If, if you are having trouble, you might not be. So you use the term hypnoenergize. Um, can you explain what hypnoenergize is and what programs and what things you do as a hypnotist? Yes, I came up with the term hypnoenergize because I had been working with um, what is generally called energy work, um, such as like a lot of people are familiar with Reiki um, and, you know, chakra balancing and that kind of uh energy healing kind of things and i had worked with that a bit throughout my lifetime N never like really a major practitioner of it, but it has always been something that i was interested in and had explored and when i trained in hypnosis um, i heard a lot of the top hypnotists in the world when they're talking to other hypnotists doing trainings talking about really subtle things that are that are harder to put into words like a lot of hypnotists would talk about intentionality well it's 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 the words you say but it's also your intention the intention that you're projecting to the subject and it struck me as being really energy related um so if you there are there's definitely results that you can get as a hypnotist if you just learn the words to say and say the right words at the right time you'll get a certain level of effect but when i started adding what I knew about energy to hypnosis, my results went through the roof. And again, as a mystic, as someone who doesn't accept easy answers, I'm not going to say that that proves that energy work is real. I'm not going to say that it's not psychological, but whatever it is, it's something that you can't really easily put into words. It's a shorthand for something else. Maybe it's pheromones, maybe it's, you know, micro expressions. I don't know. I don't, I don't, uh, need to know because if I use this in conjunction, um, it works better. So I found that if I was doing stuff that was energy related, I was all, I was adding hypnotic language to it at, as well because that enhanced the energy work. And I found that when I was doing hypnosis, I would add energy projection as well because that made it work better. And so I decided, well, why try to keep them separate? I'll just do, instead of doing hypnosis sometimes and energy work sometimes, I'll just put it all together. And that's why I call it hypnoenergize. Uh, another reason that I do that is because when people work with a hypnotist, they have a lot of expectations that come from TV and movies that are not necessarily accurate. Clucking like a chicken is one of them. Mm -hmm. I did have someone on stage quack like a duck one time, but it was a whole, <laughs> they were into it. It was a whole thing. Um, <laughs> but no, when you come into my office to work on change work, or over Zoom, because hypnosis works equally well over Zoom as well. Um, it's not going to be me talking at you and you closing your eyes and blacking out and waking up a half an hour later saying, hey, what happened? You hear every word. You're fully aware of, uh, for the most part. Um, but what it is is harmonizing your conscious and your subconscious mind, getting them on the same page. We all have different parts of our psyche that sometimes work together, sometimes work at odds. And you hear this in conversations. Sometimes people will say, well, part of me thinks I should do this, but I also have this feeling that is the opposite. We're all familiar with this idea of 
part of me wants one thing, part of me wants the other thing. So in hypnosis, what you do is you have these parts communicate with each other. And it's not always explicit. You don't necessarily know what they're saying. It's more often a body feeling or an energy feeling. But what we the process is where we get the parts to work together for the desired outcome. So for instance, if you have insomnia and there's a part of your mind that's hypervigilant for some reason and is keeping you awake and alert, we have we we talk to that part and we say we know that your intention is to be alert and protect the 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 being from danger the organism from danger let's find some creative ways that you can still do your job but also allow for sound sleep because that's also important for health so that's an example of how you would communicate with the different parts of your psyche to um, get really get what you want and what is healthy for you did yeah. I answer your the intention yeah. of your question? Greg? Yeah, yeah. So people can find you and see you on Zoom or um, yes, the know, best you, way to the best way to learn more is to go to MishaTuesday.com. You can send me a message right through my website. I'm very accessible to emails. I will answer your questions. I'm also teaching a self hypnosis. I, I periodically teach a health self hypnosis class on Zoom, and I don't know when this episode will air, um, but at the time of recording, the December 9th is the next. Uh, class that I will be doing a self-hypnosis okay. Zoom class, but whenever you hear this, because people will be listening to this on into the future, so maybe if you hear this ten years from now, <laughs> look at my website. You'll see what I'm doing now, and it'll be great. We'll we'll hook it up for you. Yeah, and you're also on Facebook and Instagram and LinkedIn as well. I'm on all of those. I'm even on TikTok now. Oh boy, I Believe I'm not, not there yet. I'm not there yet. <laughs> I haven't. I'm experimenting with TikTok. What I'm doing on TikTok, because this is November again, I don't know when this episode will air, but we're taping it in November and I'm calling it yes Vember. So because TikTok has to be really short. TikTok, they're like, some of them are 15 seconds. People don't usually go over a minute or two. Uh So every day I'm giving a tip on how to make, bring more yes into your life in November. It's not November, it's yes Vember. All right. And YouTube. You also do YouTube videos as well. Yes. On some platforms, I'm Misha Tuesday. On some platforms, I'm the mystic hypnotist. Okay. But if you search for those two terms, you'll find everywhere that I am. To my knowledge, I'm the only Misha Tuesday in the world. Possibly. Possibly. There is one other Gabrielle Mazar by marriage I have found. I've Googled that. So <laughs> the things you find out when you Google your well, own you're name. The, you're the genuine article. That's right. You're That's the real right. one. There's only one of me. There's only one of you two. <laughs> yes, indeed. All right. So um, people can find you, um, Misha Tuesday. Uh, they can find you on your website. Uh, I'll post links to all of your stuff. And um, is there anything else you want to add about hypnosis, hypnoenergize, anything else you think people should know about what you do or, or anything? I really just want to thank everyone who's listened to this entire episode. Thank you so much for sticking with it. And please do try some of the techniques that I mentioned because we all have, we might not think that we have a problem with anxiety, but we all have anxiety and stress in our life and we can all benefit from these techniques. So do use them see how they work for you and please do be in touch thank you yeah i'm gonna try the the side to side that one because i think that one will work for me for sure that's a good one (laughs) but thank you so much thanks for having me gabby yeah thank you for being on the show and thanks everyone for listening uh reach out to misha and we will see you all next week 
Thank you so much for listening to the Fit Minute Podcast, Fitness for Real People, with your host, Gabrielle Mazar. If you would like more information on today's episode, you can find it in the show notes and on Gabrielle's website at www.destinationfitcations.com. Visit to keep an eye out for upcoming fitcations. Be sure to share the show, give this podcast a review, and subscribe so you won't miss an episode. Join us next week to hear more stories from people just like you. This has been the Fit Minute Podcast, Fitness for Real People with Gabrielle Mazar.